Perhaps you've come to church today with a lot of noise in your head. I can't make you switch that off. I can't make you switch off what you're dealing with. Sometimes you go to church and then they say, well, just leave everything behind and just focus here. And that's, that's, that's impossible. I understand. So if you've come here with a lot of noise this morning in your head, dealing with a lot of issues, I, I can't ask you to leave it somewhere else because you, you're here. But let's go to the Lord right now in prayer and ask him to kind of speak to us through all of that. Let's pray. Father, I know the noise in my head, and I'm sure it's in a lot of other my brothers and sisters here this morning who are dealing with stuff this week and even last night. And last night, I know, may have been hard for some of them, even this morning. And I just ask that your word, by your spirit, would speak to us. And I know you're going to speak. I, I guess, Lord, what I'm asking is that we would hear, yeah, open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to respond to who you are and the truth and your word and awaken us in the midst of all our issues, in the midst of all the noise. And do that work right now in Christ's name. Amen. Last week, I met a, a woman he, here who said, I came to your church nine years ago when we met in the basement under Panera, and she was obviously surprised at this wonderful location. And most of you don't have a history with our church, but if, if you did, or let me give you the history right now, we have been in a variety of locations in the 26-year history of our church the, the two most recent before this was um, at the movie theater. Yes, where you go to the movies, the movie theater. And before that was 1702 uh, Sherman in the basement under Panera. Really. So if you ever feel kind of special in Panera, you know what's going on. We used to be down there. Now, when we were in the basement under Panera, we had, um, that's such an understatement if I say this, but we had a lot of issues Flooding would happen when it was flooding out. It would just, just come into our area. Um, sometimes we'd be sitting in church and Panera would decide to dump liquids on our heads. Um, at one time, it, I mean, we would try to remedy these problems, but it, we just kept coming. At one time, we basically had to shut the church down because concrete was falling from the ceiling through the drop ceiling on, into the children's room. Concrete, big chunks. So we, we shut the church down, we relocated somewhere else, then we came back and we thought everything was, was fixed. And I remember the week before we were going to come back, a, a pipe broke and just water just would not stop. It just went everywhere. And it was, it was like a, it was a reoccurring pattern where we would fix something, then something else would break, and then we'd fix something, then something else would break. And it was a very taxing and discouraging time for our congregation. It's, every, every time we were like, here we go again. And all of us, uh, as we live and do our thing on this earth and try to be faithful to the Lord, have these instances in our life where we think something is fixed and it's not. And we're like, we have to do this again? If you've ever been working on our relationships, maybe you've said, you know what, our relationship has such big problems, we're going to go to counseling, you go to counseling, and, and just when you think everything's fixed... A big blow-up happens. You're like, man, here we go again. For those of you who've had battled with illness and sickness, and you think it's, it's, it's finally going to be staying back and fixed, and then it comes back up again, you're like, man, here we go again. 
And for those of you who've been battling sin, something specific, and you thought you're getting some victory because of accountability and prayer and the Word, and it comes back, you're like, here we go again. It's like, I can deal with something once. I can deal with it twice. I can deal with it through certain seasons. But after a while, I'm like, I'm done. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I know some of you are there right now. You've, you've been pretty faithful in the past, but now you're like, you know, I don't know if I can do this anymore. So I think this is a good morning. God has brought you here this morning because this morning we're going to talk about faithfulness. We've been covering the fruit of the Spirit all summer. I mean, we're heading toward Romans in the fall, but I think God wants to tell us something in a few weeks before then. And today it's faithfulness. We've done love, joy, peace, and, and patience and goodness, but now it's down to faithfulness. And faithfulness, I mean, there's many ways you can describe it. I, I just want to throw this up, that faithfulness is this fruit of enduring faith in action. You just think of the fruit of the Spirit, this enduring faith, and over time you can point to it and say, hey, that's faithfulness. And I would even say that faithfulness is almost like their enduring faith in the here-we-go-again circumstances of life. And I was wondering about what, what, what passage should we go to this morning? I believe the Lord is leading us to look at another group of people that had this huge here-we-go-again circumstance, and that's the, the Hebrews in the book of Hebrews. So if you want to go ahead and turn there to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to be look, looking at verses 32 through 39. And I want to make sure you understand the context of this since we're kind of just jumping around the middle of Hebrews. These are believers who are being persecuted. And they were doing a good job at first. <laughs> they were following the Lord in faithfulness. But over time, they're like, you know, we're getting tired of this. People are taking our stuff. People are persecuting us. I, I don't know if we're going to stick with the Lord anymore. And the author is writing to encourage them to persevere in their faith, to endure. And so we haven't done this in a while, so let's just go ahead and stand as I read the passage to you. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 32. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to approach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. You may be seated. You have need of endurance. This past summer, I was sitting at one of our elder meetings, and I was telling the guys, I was like, man, I feel like I have hit a wall in my pastoral life. I was tired, I was discouraged. 
a little burnt out, and I was talking to the elders. I said, all that keeps ringing in my mind is the idea. And I told them, I said, I think it's somewhere in Hebrews. You have need of endurance over and over again. You have need of endurance. And one of the elders said, hey, it's right here. Here it is. It's in this passage here where the author is encouraging them, hey, I know you're thinking about bailing on your faith, which I'm not thinking that. Many of you are not thinking that. So it's this pretty deep, serious passage. But at the same time, people who are considering giving up, whatever you're considering giving up, need the encouragement of this faithfulness. Now get this, what he does in this passage, he wants them to have a flashback to how they were faithful in the past, and he wants to have a flash forward to the reward. And I was discouraged during my time that's what I could not see. I could not see a time in my life where, you know, when, when you hit midlife like me, you know, like many of you midlife, you know, you can't remember the zeal of your youth, you know, where you're passionate about the Lord, just kind of like those are the old days. And you're not close enough to the finish line, though we could die at any time, right? But you're not close enough to the finish line where you're, where you're thinking about, oh, I'm going to die right now. So you're just kind of stuck in this middle. And I was kind of stuck in this middle. And I had need of endurance. What I needed was a flashback to past faithfulness, and I needed to flash forward to the reward. And so that's kind of where we're going to go this morning. That's what the author does, and that's where we're going to head. So let's jump in, verse 32. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. So the, the authors intentionally call them to remember the earlier days of their conversion and their faithfulness. Now, I know when we do these things, uh, we tell people to flash back to God's faithfulness. Absolutely, let's do that. Let's talk about God's faithfulness in the past. Let's talk about his promises. But what the author is doing right here, he's saying, I want you to remember the old days when you were faithful. Can you do that? Think back to a time where you were just going for it with the Lord. Whenever that was, flash back to that faithfulness. And look at the specifics as he does with the Hebrews. Look at the specifics. Verse 33. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. This is absolutely amazing. Back in the day, the Hebrews were so faithful. They were being persecuted, either by uh, Jews were persecuting them, or perhaps uh, under the Roman Empire, they were being persecuted. But many of them were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. It's like the, the wording here is, it talks about them being publicly exposed. It's almost like they're on a stage, and they're being publicly exposed for their faith in Christ before the whole world, just like Jesus was. But not only that, but it says specifically that some of them were thrown into prison. And they would go, and those who were not in prison would go and visit them and bring them food and care for them. And it also says some of them joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Maybe they were, while they were in prison, maybe the, the, the Roman government came and took their property or others came and took their property while they were in prison. They're like, that's fine. You can have my property because I have my joy and my reward in Jesus in heaven. Is this not amazing faithfulness? They're being persecuted for their faith, they press on. They're being thrown in jail, they press on. People steal their stuff because they're believers in Jesus, they press on. This is amazing faithfulness. Now, I want to show you something here. This is really, really cool. The faithfulness here 
requires a certain kind of mentality. Please look again at verse 32. He says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Please pay attention here. This is going to be really good. Look at the word for struggle. For those of you who have the NIV translation, it says the word contest. Another word for struggle could be the word battle. Now, the Greek word behind all these other words, I don't throw Greek words out there all the time, but the Greek word behind all that these, this, this word here, contest or struggle, is where we get our word athletics. So the idea is that when they were being persecuted, they would endure these sufferings by aggressively standing firm in their faith like an athlete. They had this battle mentality. They would struggle and fight like an athlete. And one scholar, which I'm going to really harp on this, has said that they did not suffer passively as a criminal, but they suffered as an athlete. So they were not a criminal like they're locked away in jail. They have this victim mentality where people are doing things to them and they have nothing to do but renounce their faith. No, they were like an athlete. They're not a victim. And what's happening? Hard things are happening to them, but they're battling to maintain their faith in the Lord. There is a distinction here. There's a distinction between a victim mentality and this battle mentality of an athlete. And if you don't get the distinction, and if you think the Christian life is more about this victim mentality, which we can all fall into, what's going to happen is you're going to continue to do foolish things and blame other people. All of us do this. I do this, you do this. How many of you think the main problem in your life with your struggles and your sin is someone else's fault or your circumstances' fault. That's a victim mentality. That's not a, a battling mentality. It's a victim mentality. Where we say, you know, my problem in life is the way my parents raised me. Or my main problem in life is I can't quite get to where I want to be with my career. I can't get to where I want to be with my marriage or my relationships. It's always someone else's fault. And I want to tell you, you can tell if you have this victim mentality in life by the number of complaints that you lodge. If you are a complainer or a griper about what's going on in your life, chances are you have this victim mentality. And if you have a victim mentality, the problem is always out there and you're blaming out there for what you're doing. That was not the Hebrews in the early days. They'd be persecuted, thrown into jail, stuff taken, and you know what they would do? Press on. They didn't see themselves as victims. Yes, stuff was happening to them. You know what? We're going to stand firm and press on in the Lord. And so the big encouragement I'm going to give you here this morning, it may sound so weird, but I'm going to say it anyway. It goes like this. You are not a victim, but you are an athletic child of God. Let me put it up for you. You are not a victim, but you are an athletic child of God. Now, I know some of you would say, not me. I am not athletic. <laughs> You've not seen me throw a ball. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking spiritually. God has created you in Christ Jesus, fills you with the Holy Spirit to battle. The Christian life is not where we just passively sit back and become a victim. 
No, we battle to press on. Hard things will happen in your Christian life. If you're having hard things right now, it's normal. And you're supposed to battle to persevere, to press on. And the Hebrews, it used to be them. And perhaps it used to be you too. But now you've kind of slipped back into this victim mentality and that's why you're blaming everybody else for your problems. Let, let's just take the guys in the room. I'll just talk to the guys because I, I'm a guy and I want to talk to you. It's, it's easy for guys to feel guilty about a lot of things. I know girls think they have the corner on feeling guilty for things. No, guys can really feel guilty about a lot of things. And, and one of the things that's easy for guys to feel guilty about, especially for guys who are married, is that they're not leading their wives spiritually and they're not leading their kids spiritually. Easy for guys to feel guilty. So what happened in the earlier days before you got married maybe, you used to have a zeal, like when I get married, I'm going to lead my wife in prayer and the word, I'm going to teach my kids the word, and you're so pumped up, and, and then you jump in it, and now you are where you're at right now, and you're like, man, I just feel guilty, and I'm, because I'm not doing any of that. And, and maybe, maybe you're playing the victim, and you're like, you know, I'm not doing any of that because it's my wife's fault. I married Eve. She's, she's like leading me astray. And my, I can't lead my kids. They're like Jacob's kids. They're like, they just threw their brother Joseph in the pit again. These kids. And I just want to tell you, guys, as long as you're blaming something else, your schedule, your wife, your kids, you're going to have this victim mentality. Well, God's saying, you know what, you're not a victim. You're an athletic child of God. You need to step up by the power of the Holy Spirit and get back at it. Remember the vision you used to have when, before you got married and you're early. Go back to that vision. Go, have a little flashback to your previous zeal in the Lord to lead your family. And, it, and I would say to all of us, all of us need to flashback if we're struggling to persevere right now. Guys, flashback to the earlier days when you were fighting for purity. Have these flashbacks to time where you used to spend lots of time in prayer and in the Word back in the old days. Flashback to when you used to really want to share your faith if you're not sharing your faith anymore. Have these flashbacks to times where you were faithful, where you were getting it done, when you were being filled by the Holy Spirit, when you were doing the work of God, before you've landed to this spot right now where you're kind of waffling. The Word of God saying, hey, go backwards. Remember the former days. Remember the days where you were excited about the Lord, where you had zeal to persevere and to press on. Remember those days. In about four weeks, the college students, they're going to be among us. And a lot of them, they're on fire for the Lord, right? They just, I mean, they're just going to go out and share their faith a hundred times a day. They're going to pray for like six hours a day. And they're going to do all this. And, and for those of old, uh, us who are older, we should not say, you just wait. You just wait. When you get old, you're not going to want to do that anymore. Don't, don't say that. It's not like we have zeal when we're 20 and then we're 40, we slack off. No. Go back. Remember the college days. Sure, you had more time. Sure, you didn't have the pressures and burdens. But does it mean that when you get old, zeal needs to be lacking? No. Go back. Remember those times. Have those flashbacks may it encourage you to be spurred on. But see, the author here, he's not just saying flash back. He's also saying, I want you to look forward. He's saying, flash forward to the future. This is good. Look at verse 35. Therefore, 
Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. You say, don't throw your, your confident faith away. Don't, don't throw away your faith in Jesus. He's saying, you know what? Don't throw away where you've been standing firm because you know, if you're a believer, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to have your sins forgiven. Jesus is the only way to have access to the Father and live forever in eternal life. We believe the gospel. Christ died for sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We put our faith in Jesus, turn from our life, and we are forgiven and we rejoice and we have confident faith in him. Do not throw Jesus away, but stand firm. And what it says, it has a great reward. Now, I know some of you are not considering bailing on your faith, but this great reward spoken of here is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reward. And if Jesus is the reward, the idea is that since we are going to be rewarded one day face-to-face through faith in Jesus, not earning it, one day we're going to see him. We are to be motivated by the future being with Christ. This past Tuesday, I was coming in to work. I ride my bike to work, and as I was riding my bike to work, I was really struck by this thought for a while that I can't wait to be with Jesus. Now, I, I, I know there's not going to be more pain. I get that. I know there's not going to be more crying. I get that. I know all my problems and your problems are going to be gone. I get that. I get that. I get that. And I know there's going to be lots of benefits. I get that. I get that. But you know what? I'm looking forward to being with Jesus. I mean, all the stuff he did in here, the stuff he talks about, his relationship with me through faith in him, and how he's everything, and I'm supposed to give it all up to have him. And I'm thinking, that's going to be pretty special. Face to face with Jesus, my reward forever. And if that's true, which I believe that it is, if that's true, no matter what I'm going through down here, I can just kick back and say, you know what? It's hard now. I, in fact, I hate some of this stuff now. But soon and very soon, I'm going to go see my king. I'm going to be with Jesus, and I'm going to be with him forever, and I'll have my reward, and I'll be hanging out with you, and I'll be looking back, and I'll say, praise God, that's done. That's what he's trying to encourage them. The reward's coming, don't bail. The reward's coming, don't bail. He continues on. Here's my big verse, 36. For you have need of endurance. So that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. They may think that their greatest need is to have their suffering alleviated, but their greatest need, did you see it in that verse? Their greatest need in verse 36 is to do the will of God. They may think, I just need people quit persecuting me, quit throwing me in jail, quit stealing my stuff. No, you need to continue to do the will of God. Press on in faithfulness. And love your brothers and sisters. And I want to say to you, your greatest need in life is to do the will of God. You may think your greatest need is to be absolutely healed, to have the relationship fixed, to have everything worked out. No, your greatest need is to do the will of God. Someone put it like this. We live in a culture of disposability. You know, disposable napkins, disposable paper plates, disposable diapers. This is not a big environmental message here. Disposable razors, disposable iPhones, disposable computers. When something doesn't work, we like 
rather than try to fix it, we'll go get a new one, dispose of the old one. Now, it's, it, there's nothing wrong here, nothing sinful about this. Don't, don't, don't throw stuff at me. But what tends to happen is that we can have a disposable mentality with the weightier things in life. And so when something's not working, we can dispose of it and then kind of start new. And that disposal mentality can creep in, and sometimes the relationships that you would have, maybe in your marriage where things are not going so well, you're like, you know what? It's so easy to legally dispose of you right now. And it happens in church. People jump into church, and things are just a little bit off. And by the way, I'm the complaints compartment. People want to have complaints. They bring them to me, and they say, you know what, Pastor? I have a complaint. This is a little bit off, so I'm just going to dispose of your church and move on. And that disposable mentality comes into your commitment. Some of you have made some serious commitments, some minor commitments where you've committed to things, but now things have gotten hard and something has changed a little bit. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to dispose of that commitment. And so the disposable mentality keeps creeping in and creeping on. And I just want to tell you, brothers and sisters, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but sometimes you are disposing of the will of God. You're disposing of the will of God. God wants you to do some things, and it's getting hard. And you're saying, you know what? I have this disposable mentality. I don't like feeling uncomfortable, so I'm going to dispose of the will of God. And the Word of God says, you have need of endurance. You need to do the will of God. You need to keep pressing on doing the will of God. Yes, it is hard, but the reward is coming. You're going to be with Jesus soon. It will be hard for now, but you'll have a reward with him later. Keep moving forward. Keep flashing forward. And then he finishes it up with this flash forward in verse 37 and 38. On to 39. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. Amen. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I mean, that's, that's pretty heavy hitting. And, and you're thinking, man, it's such a weighty topic today. Talking about judgment here, shrinking back, keep pressing on in the faith. He's quoting here from Isaiah and Habakkuk. He kind of merges them together. And the, the idea is that Jesus is coming back. The suffering that you're facing right now, the difficulties you're having now will not last forever. But this is no time for you or for me to be messing around with unfaithfulness. But then he says, you know what? You're going to be all right. I love that. He says that to his church. He says, you're going to be all right. I've given you some warnings. I've given you some encouragement. But you're going to be all right. You are going to persevere. You're going to press on. I've seen you, he says. I've seen you press on. You're going to be all right. And, and I can say that to many of you. I've seen your faithfulness. I know you're going through a season of discouragement. I know you're going through a season of despair and hard times where you kind of want to quit. But I, I know a lot of you. You're, you're going to be all right. You just needed this word of exhortation and encouragement this morning to keep going. Sometimes in life, you need somebody to say this to you. It's hard. I'm sorry you're going through it. By God's grace, he'll give you power to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And I'm just here this morning saying, I get that. It's hard. It's, you want to bail. Just, just keep going. Just keep going. There is your reward. It's Christ. You're not going to keep going because you're going to somehow earn the reward. Now, you already got the reward. Now, just keep going. Keep going to Christ. Keep going. So if you're having a hard time persevering, go backwards and go, wow. I used to really be serious back then. And go forward looking at the reward. Throughout the 26-year history of our church, 
um, and I talked about all the moves and locations. I, one thing I, I think I failed to mention in all these different moves is that the people in this church, though we may swap out all the time, new people and back and forth, the people in this church have been faithful. Do you get that? You have been faithful. At the church in the basement, when all the water is pouring in, some people would work into the night to clean it up so we could have service the next morning. Over the summers, when the AC would shut down in the basement, people would bring in fans. Over the winter, when the heat would go off and it was freezing cold, people would bring in heaters. And when the rocks are falling down into the children's room, people would bring helmets. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you guys are stepping up. And then when we moved out of there and we moved into the movie theater, the movie theater, it was, it was crazy. We had a huge trailer loading stuff in, loading stuff out. Sometimes the elevators so they broke. And, and our, our time there and relationship has kind of deteriorated over the years. In fact, at the very end there, they're like, yeah, you can use the theater, but you just can't exit the front. So we would go there, have our service, and then every single person had to exit through the back of the theater. Now, if you don't know what that, that's like, I'd encourage you, when, next time you go see a movie, exit the front. Don't go out the way you came in. It's like the catacombs back there in the theater. It was like, what, what do we do? But throughout these years, faithfulness. People were stepping up. It was hard. And look now, we're in glory. Look. <laughs> Isn't this great? Yeah. It's not perfect, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at. So we press on, faithful, 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 and one day we're going to be with Christ. One day we're going to be with him. He's going to be our reward forever. Now that feels good. I feel good. We're happy. We're looking forward to that. But I've got to stop and go, okay, just a, just a minute. I can't let you off the hook. Because what tends to happen in church, we feel good about stuff, and then we go away and we don't do anything, and then that's not cool. So in, in leaving here, I want to I just do this. I want to see some of you move, at least in one area of your life, from being flaky to faithful. I don't know if you guys use the terminology flaky. Don't be a flake. Flaky people make commitments they don't fall through or they're kind of slacking off. I want to see you move from being a flake or being flaky to being faithful. Surely in just one area to get started. So wherever that area needs to be, you need to move from this flakiness, you've not been very faithful, you've been slacking off, to being faithful. Last week we talked about good works, and I talked to a number of you, and you're getting it done, you're doing cool stuff for the Lord. But there's some of you in here, you used to do cool stuff, and now you're not doing cool stuff anymore. You used to be so faithful, now you're flaky. And for those dads I talked about earlier, who used to be faithful, now you're flaky, hey, this is a good day to start saying, hey, family, hey, wife, let's talk about Jesus again. Let's read the Bible again. Let's pray again. And for those of you who have not had, I mean, I'm not trying to be the police here, but for those of you who have not had like a quiet time or devotional time consistent since the early days, and you're so, I guess, a flake on the Lord, 
maybe it's time to say, you know what, Lord, I want you. Give me some faithfulness in knowing your word and reading it. And for those of you who are, who are just sick and tired of all the, the suffering you've been facing recently, and you're like, you know what, I just want to bail on this. Hey, it might not get fixed to glory, but I want to encourage you, stay with it. Stay faithful. Stay persevering. So my brothers and sisters, in all these areas, please stop the blame shifting. Stop playing the victim. Quit that. You are an athletic child of God. Start battling like one. Let's move from this flakiness to being faithful by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this good word in your, in your scriptures of a people who used to really getting it done for you. They were persevering through suffering and somehow they, they lost their, their way. And we, we know what that's like where we were, we were faithful at one time and then we just kind of drifted. And Lord, I just asked for my, that you would do something in, in me and in my brothers and sisters or in those areas where we've just kind of tuned out, flaked out, whatever it is, that you would stir us up to be faithful again. Well, I just asked for my brothers and sisters who used to really kind of battle against sin and now they've gotten to a point in their life, you know, I'm just too old, it's not worth it anymore. Maybe they, may they start to battle again by your spirit. For those who've just stopped sharing their faith maybe, like, you know, maybe they start sharing their faith again. Lord, stir them up to share their faith again. Well, where, where there's areas where we need to be vigilant, I just ask you to make us vigilant. And Lord, those who are suffering, I just pray for those who are suffering with those who are suffering in their bodies or with their family members or wherever the suffering is in relationships, Lord, give them perseverance to continue to love and to be faithful. And Jesus, we are looking forward to seeing you face to face, our reward, the one who died and bought us with your life. We're looking forward to seeing you and the joy in your presence and the joy we have now in you, Lord, but we want to see you face to face. Continue to stir us to faithfulness. In Christ's name, amen.